City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Okay, and we're on air, City Limits, we are indeed, and uh, Gab Reed's over there pressing buttons for us, because um, just got into the studio, I spoke to uh, Karina last night talking about the program, but I've come out this morning and found out she's come down with COVID overnight, so if she's listening, uh, wish you well and hope you get over it very quickly, but uh, go and get those antivirals quickly and get them in India, uh, that's the answer. Um, but uh, it is City Limits, it's our transport day, and I've just got here because transport this morning <laughs> proved while we talk about transport <laughs> we, uh, I, I came on a route that normally gets me here it, it involves a bus and two trams but it normally gets me here about quarter to nine which is ridiculous because I hate being too early but this one got me here late because every, every there was, well the bus was on time but everything the trams were a mess this morning and uh, Whatever happened, I might talk to John about it later and let him uh, go complain madly as well about this. Well, we're going to complain madly about the system anyway because they've do, they've delayed yet again the uh, the airport rail link and all sorts of transport initiatives are being dropped. So uh, John's going to talk about that. Um, but firstly, we're talking to Christian, who's a because um, I think we've mentioned before the we we hope it doesn't go ahead, but there are plans to to um, remove the level crossings in Brunswick on the upfield line. It was, it was an election gimmick to try to win the seat off the Greens, which failed anyway. But we now have signs, and it's in this interview we talk about this, there are signs like near me, Union Street, uh, often there's no car or one car waiting, but there's a sign saying this is one of the dangerous and congested crossings we are removing. Um, and, of course, people like Christian, who happens to be in a wheelchair... And, and other people with disabilities or people with mobility problems altogether, women with prams, once the train goes, they virtually lose their public transport through that corridor. So there's a campaign locally to have um, all tram stops accessible. If they are going to close the line, because if they do the removal removals, it'll close the line for months. Uh, and there's a... Um, a campaign to say let's make all stops accessible at least before you close the line but of course it's broader than that they should all be accessible anyway in the first place so, so it's not just the closing of the line really but Christian uh, very articulate about it and uh, we pre-recorded this last week because he had to come into the studio with a wheelchair and um, we recorded this a week ago but um, this is uh, Christian uh, in an interview with Karina and me uh, talking about those issues and then after that we'll talk to John McPherson. In the studio today we have Christian Astorian talking about uh, accessible transportation. Yep and um, and it's because of course the government trying to win the seat of Brunswick off the Greens promised it would uh, remove the level crossings through Brunswick on the upfield line which is un- totally unnecessary but even so uh, if, if it goes ahead and they're talking about it going ahead then it uh, will close the line for many months. Now Christian you're involved in a campaign around that what, what's your problem with that? And, and do, we remind people that Christian is in a wheelchair and has mobility problems. 
Jeet, Perkemol, thank you to Katrina and Kevin for giving me the opportunity to be here today in your program to talk about really the big issue because what will happen is when they clog the upfield line which they say it will happen in two years time about 2025 and and that because they have to remove quite a few level crossing between Park Creek in Parkville uh, all the way up to Moreland Road. So that means that for more than a year, we won't be able to use the upfield lane. And there is no other accessible transport available in the area for people with disability, for elderly people, for mothers with prams, and for anybody that requires mobility. Mm. I ride a bike. You certainly can't put a bike on a tram either. But the last accessible tram stop coming into Brunswick and going out of Brunswick, for that matter, is at that Park Street stop. Um, once you get past that, you couldn't get on or off a tram, of course. Absolutely, because even though we do have low-floor tram, so we have the new mm. generation of tram, still we cannot access them because there is no platform on the tram camp to be able to board and get off the tram. The only cook that we have in the area is actually on Royal Parade at the corner with Brunswick Road. And then completely at the end of that tram line in Coburg, which means after 3.5 kilometers. You get to the end of the line in Coburg, and that's where you find the next accessible platform. And it's a long way back in a wheelchair, isn't it? Um, <laughs> What's that, Merlinston Station or something? No, I think it's up is the there. It's up at Baker's Bake, Road up there. But yeah, but the, the um, but what we've been fighting, I mean, I remember we've had campaigns for years. We remember we had a, one on that tram stop one night with Katie Bourne, lots of other people years ago, uh, fighting for accessibility. I suppose it's been about 30 or 40 years that I've known about people campaigning for accessibility, yet we Absolutely. still haven't we still haven't got it. And this is what I find very discretion, really, because we've been fighting for so long, as you mentioned, Kevin, and it feels like yeah, things have improved, but we mm. still have a very long way to go. And the government, both the state government and the federal government, agree about people with a disability getting the same opportunity in life to be included in the community, to have the same opportunity for 
employment, education, and lifestyle. But how can we assume that if you cannot even get out of home, yep. if you cannot even get public transport, we get where we want to go? How is that possible? How is it possible that we get in 2023 and we still need to have the conversation on accessibility of public transport? Yeah, I mean, coming coming out of the city on the West Coburg line, for instance, tram line, at Royal Park Station, as you approach Royal Park Station stop, they announce on the tram, this is the last accessible stop on this route, which is a bloody long way to West Coburg. Uh, so again, I mean, you, you've got no access at all in that area. Absolutely, really. And, and you can imagine that. One, it happened to me that I was in the tram... And when I got to uh, Brunswick Road, you know, the corner, to get caught, the driver, for some reason, gigging open the door, trying to get caught. I had to go all the way to the end of, of the line to be able to get caught. Uh, yeah. Now, Christian, um, we've spoken about trams and we've spoken about trains and as you aptly mentioned before it's an issue for all people not just people with disability um and i know that (laughs) there are a plethora of issues with the bus replacements that they do put on the lines um crowding poor timetabling things like that but in terms of your particular disability and getting around on a wheelchair What's your experience with buses? Because they call them low floor. <laughs> they call them low floor. Thank you for asking me this question because honestly, I could write a book <laughs> on the experience of buses. <laughs> uh, the most uh, flabbergasting part of all is when the driver will say to me, the ramp is broken, and I cannot put it down for you. And I'm thinking, why are you even g- g- driving that bus if the ramp is broken? So this is one of the excuses that I have experienced to uh, not be supported to board the bus. And of course, not every batch actually is accessible. So we have to wait for an accessible bathroom to come, to pick me up. And the other issue that I have noticed is that even when you go inside the bath mm. uh, from the front door, Sometimes there is not enough room to turn mm. to go to the designated place for the wheelchair. Because the curve to turn to get there, sometimes it's very narrow. So it's like every bike is different. And it's all about 
lacre de l'ADN, ou bien il faut faire des rails, ou des rails driver, ou des rails room inside the bank, ou un room, ou bien des rails, ou bien des guignols, ou bien des guignols, Frankreichin the whole experience. I yeah. think about that a lot. I was on a bus in Footscray recently and we have also featured, you know, better buses campaigns for the West, mm. which is terribly inaccessible for all sorts of people. But I was on one recently that was really, really crowded and there was an elderly man at the front with his uh, trolley that he was taking from the market headed towards Sunshine and then a woman came on with some children and she had a double pram um, with a rug on top because she'd obviously been shopping too. And I had to lift up – the bus driver was not helpful. I had to lift up his trolley and put it inside the bag holding rack so that she could get in and turn and then bring it back down because obviously it was a safety hazard. And then imagining them at the other end of the line, like what if she had to get off first – and having to be reliant on luck and the charitability of a happy bus driver or a, or a helpful passenger mm. is just not good enough. And what you said before is like, how is that bus still running if the ramp is broken? It seems to me like a bit of a reflection of our transport system as a whole, right? It's broken, but it's not broken enough to want to fix Yes, because again, it feel like it's not considered a priority mm. to even get checked on the ramp to make sure it's working properly. So it looks like there is not a lot really disability awareness within the company and within the bike driver. Mm. Wanger can really that it is so important to have a ramp that work properly. It's so important to be able to uh, board every type of person who needs support. A lot of elderly people with the frame they need the ramp too to be able to board the bank. So I don't think really that we do have a long way to go to change it, but they really need to happen. And I would like also to see common rule for every bus company. So now we have some buses where there is more room for a wheelchair and more room to turn. Well, in, in other buses, there is not enough room. Because so there needs to be a common standard for every type of bus. As a baseline. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, though, what, what struck me about your comment, Christian, was you said you've got to wait for the right bus to come along. And I thought, well, given they run about every half hour, you could be there for days. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, it did happen to me that I was waiting for a, a couple of hours before yeah. the right bus 
came to pick me up. He cried, my time, it don't consider to be important, it don't consider to be worth it. I've got a life to live. I've got commitment like everybody else in society. Therefore, my time is important mm. to me. So you're here today to talk about there's a campaign taking place saying if they are going to close the line for the crossings, which they shouldn't do anyway, but if they are going to, then we demand that there be accessible stops right along Sydney Road. Absolutely, because we need an alternative. And so far, the only accessible transport in the area are the train on the off-field line. So if they are going to close that for a minimum of one year because of level crossing removal, what are we going to do? We won't be able to, to go anywhere anymore. So we definitely demand the Victorian government to listen, but also to remember that they have signed with the federal government the transport standard in 2002 and that was a 20 years commitment which actually finished last year where public transport were supposed to become all accessible by 2022. Yep, we... We had, we had a protest at Brunswick Town Hall last year. There were several protests through last year about it, but it hasn't happened. Exactly, because it's like the government could eat and because the government figure it could be a priority. And they fail to understand that this is about investing in communities. So it should not even be considered a cost. It is an investment to the community that will benefit in the short term and in the long term. And, and of course, level crossing removals, as we keep saying in this program, only benefit cars. They make cars go faster when we should be stopping them. Um, I use the Union Road crossing um, quite regularly, Union Street crossing, because I come out on my bike from where I live. Um, and... Often there's no cars waiting at the line at all, but but there's a sign saying this is one of the congested and dangerous crossings, and you think, well, I, know. <laughs> I mean, and there's no bloody cars. And I, I, mean, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I read that sign. It got what in Union Creek. This is one of the more dangerous yeah. uh, level crossing in Victoria. And I thought, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, and, you know, there's just no need for it. But if I they can, yeah. but you know, if if they're going to spend money on, and they each level crossing costs a lot of money, if they're looking to save money at the moment, but that money would be far better spent building accessible stops on the tram route. Absolutely, uh, and honestly, this is something, it's not only for people with uh, disability, I mean, let's be honest, I am a person with a disability, but I'm not here to talk only about myself or people with a disability, because I do know that accessible crime to on Sydney Road 
will benefit everybody in the community. Mm. Absolutely. Well, uh, is the campaign up and running? I mean, what, where's it at in terms of meetings and things? Well, I mean, at the moment, we are trying to get basically support with the campaign by getting involved like many groups and different uh, organizations in the community. And we are also uh, preparing for a protest which is going to happen on Saturday, 17th of June at 11 o'clock. We are going to start the process not far from the Brunswick Town Hall. But for... for is, is, that a, is that a Saturday, by the way? Yes. Yeah, right. Saturday, 17th of June at 11 o'clock. At Brunswick Town Hall? Yes, yep. basically. But for everyone that would like more information, please send us an email. We can also look a bit hard to pronounce, but I will try my best. S A T S now zero at gmail dot com. All right, we'll we'll add that out next week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, good luck with that. It's uh, let's hope uh, let's hope something comes out of it. I did want to raise with you one other matter though. Um, while you're here, uh, there's an interesting article last week in the paper, uh, which says that uh, private equity investors are pouring money into businesses serving the National Disability Insurance Scheme, sensing an opportunity for outsized returns after profits in the sector rose more than 29% on average every year since 2018. Now, you've got all these private companies moving in. We keep hearing from um, the usual suspects that the NDIS is getting out of hands in terms of money and spending, but is the is the money in fact not going to people with disabilities, but going to the private companies? Is that what's happened? I know because uh, the question that I will be asking there is uh, how can that benefit people with disability who are the recipients of the NDIS? So. I don't a private company providing any services or any support to improve people with a disability life and enhance their everyday life by supporting them to be more independent and be able to achieve their everyday life goals in life like everybody. So I don't company really doing anything like that. Yeah, I mean we've got to stop the waste of money going into the private sector. That's what we the money money must go to uh, to servicing people like you. Absolutely. Uh, this is the point and particularly also for for I for people with a disability to really be able to buy the right services 
and support that will really make a difference, you know, with everyday life. So, talking about that reminds me of also about another issue. You know that public transport here in Victoria are free for people with a disability. And the reason why they are free is because the government has acknowledged that they are not fully accessible. That's right. That's right. Good, being, good being free, but you can't get on them. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, I would say to that, I will be happy to pay for public transport <laughs> like everybody else. But make them fully accessible. <laughs> good point. Bloody good point. Good point to finish on, actually. And look, we'll, we'll keep people informed on what's happening in that campaign because it's going to be ongoing. But, Christian, thanks for your time today. And anything else you did want to say before we wind up? Is that it? Uh, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Katrina. Um, one thing that really I would like to say is we need as many people like we can to come for our protest on Saturday, the 17th of June at 11 o'clock in Tigney Road in front of the Brunswick uh, Town Hall. Like many people like we can, because this is not only for one or two people, this is something that concerns everybody. Mm. Perhaps we could advocate for trams to tow wheelchairs or something. That'd be good. Um, My goodness. <laughs> Kevin, come on. Oh, okay. That's not on, is it? Tow we, you uh, on your bike. In a, that's right. Anything you wanted to add, Karina, at this stage? Yes, I mean, I, I'm just going to repeat that email address for people who were interested um, in finding out more about the campaign or yep. about that action on Saturday, 17th of June. Um, that's satsnow0 at gmail.com. And the SATS part, as a good uh, memory cue, stands for Sydney Road Accessible Tram Stops. Right. On that note, thanks a lot, uh, Christian, and we'll uh, okay, and we'll keep the campaign running. We'll certainly keep in touch with the campaign and keep it. Make sure it gets plenty of publicity. Thanks for your time, though. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thanks for your opportunity. Oh, we're back on here. <laughs> I just looked down and saw a red light. And thought, oh, my God. Um, here we are. And that was, of course, Christian. Um, and that uh, June 17, we'll keep pushing that, of course, up till then. But the June 17 rally at Brunswick Town Hall, 11 o'clock. We hope lots of people get there. And uh, those rallies, we've had them for years. We used to have them when they were trying to close the upfield line we had. And I always argue that maybe the trams could tow the the uh, wheelchairs, for instance. I mean, there's all sorts of solutions you could come up with, put them on the roof or do something. But um, anyway, accessible stops. It's uh, but as we say, that interview was about the fact that they, they there's a threat of closing the upfield line for months, and therefore people would lose their accessibility altogether to public transport. But uh, it should happen anyway. It's been promised for years. We've been having campaigns for years about accessibility, and it's. It's way beyond time. In fact, they did then promise the end of 2022, but there's nothing like it, of course. Um, and I thought Christian made a very good point that uh, that he said, well, people like him in wheelchairs and people with disabilities get free public transport, but it's no use to you if it's free if you can't get on the bloody thing. Um, so um, 
anyway, we'll keep pushing that one and uh, and wish them well, and we'll certainly keep pushing that uh, that date, June 17, for a rally. Uh, we're going to go to John McPherson in a moment, but just before that, a couple of things I thought mad rush getting here this morning. We didn't even pour tea. Look, I'll just have a bit of tea pouring just for the sake because we've got to have it on this program. There we are. It's not much in the pot, but there we are. I drank most of it during the break, during that. Um, but a couple of things this week I thought worth worth looking at. Uh, I noticed this morning the news tells me that our Prime Minister's landed in London and had a meeting with uh, with our King, our Head of State, and he's gone there for the big celebration next week, which I'm sure we're all looking forward to and I hope 3CR gives blanket coverage to. Um, but uh, last week, of course, he, um, well, the last two weeks, he went to Lindsay Fox's birthday party, one of the richest men in Australia. He went to a, one of the nastiest um, shock jocks wedding. Now, why he'd go there, I've got absolutely no idea. And apparently they mentioned the sort of people who were there. Um, uh, so obviously he says he just you know, got an invitation and he went. Now, Gab, I'm hoping if you... You might even get married one day, Gavin, and, and, well, invite him to the wedding and see what happens, see if he turns up or not, but or do you want him there anyway? Um, but then he had the, between the king and telling us how wonderful it is to have the king as our king, between going to the shock jocks wedding and going to the one of the richest men in Australia's birthday party and celebrating with other filthiest rich of the filthy rich. He had the audacity then to go on Monday to Brisbane to a rally and wish them Happy May Day. And I thought, my God, here's a man, perhaps he thought he couldn't say Happy May Day to Lindsay Fox or to uh, Kyle, whatever his name is, Sandy Lins, I think his name is, isn't it? And... Um, or even to the king, probably, but um, he can say it to uh, workers. But how much does he mean it when you look at what they're promising in the budget, which is they're not going to give much to anyone who's in real need and uh, telling us they can't afford it. While I, say, I think we'll say this every week. While they're spending $38 million a day over 30 years for submarines plus all the other stuff that we're going to buy to kill people. So that's just my little comment for the day. Let's have a break and get John McPherson on the line. Mm-hmm. I'm from the Lakota Nation in the geographical center of North America that we call Turtle Island. And community radio is about your community, your heart, which 3CR community radio is right here at 85.5 a.m. So it is digital, and I'm, I'm presuming you can, you can go worldwide with it. Um, people are listening in America to you, so talk back. Australia to the earth. Peace with earth. Thank you. The Oakeson Ghost Horse. Community Radio is your love. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au.
Okay, back on City Limits, John McPherson on the line, our regular monthly commentator on transport issues. And John, um, you, uh, did you hear that interview with Kristen at all this morning? Yeah, I did. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, uh, I did. Comment on it at all? Well, n- nothing really um, special to say that Christian didn't say himself. Um, um, it is bizarre that, 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 that the consideration would be to close down the upfield line without improving the, the parallel transport corridor, you know, the tram line, with, with renewable stops, because the, certainly the trams at, at the moment, I don't think they're, they're accessible at all on, um, on Sydney Road, are they? No, they're not. The last, the last accessible between Parks, the Park Street Brunswick Road tram stop where Sydney Road narrows, Royal Parade yeah. comes into Sydney Road. Yeah, yeah. That's the last accessible stop before the terminus, right. and it's the last one going the other way before you get to Vic Market. So um, <laughs> there's a long way to push a wheelchair between those spots. Yes, uh, and or a pram or anything else. I mean, people. It's not just wheelchairs, but it's people, no. older people who have trouble getting up those steps. Women with prams, um, or anyone with a pram, I guess. But yeah. you know, shoppers with trolleys, all those things that uh, make it difficult. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. Trolleys, trolleys are quite a large part of um, you know older people's lives because they, as well as making it easy to cut stuff around. Of course, they, they're, they're a stability aid if you're on foot, you know, but you need... That's right. And it's on the, it's on the yeah. Vic Market route as well, of course, yeah. so mm-hmm. people go to market with their trolley and, um, you know, yeah. get the tram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, you raise the issue, you and Christian raise the issue of, well, is the money being re- well spent um, fix, fixing, quote-unquote, all those level crossings? Uh, it, you know the justification for doing the minor the minor roads is is pretty questionable. I think they're all questionable. Uh, and, and but you, you've you've given us a figure before. What's the figure you argue for well, each level well, crossing? When I looked at it, it seemed to come out at about two two hundred two hundred and fifty million dollars per intersection. You know, by the time you've built quite a long bridge to go up and over, or you've dug quite a long ditch to go under. You know, and the, and then rebuild a railway station at the same time and rebuild all the track and rebuild all the signalling and rebuild build all the overhead wiring, you know, it's um, they're each of them a pretty pretty damn big project but um, you know, the Andrews government seems to reckon they're uh, they're possibly what's keeping them in office, you know, they seem to have the view that they're, uh, they're the goose that laid the golden egg. Well, they're probably popular with motorists, but uh, certainly you don't put them into roads where there's no traffic anyway. <laughs> but no. they Particularly two fifty million when the government's crying poor. I know, I know. Yeah, it, 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 it. I don't know if they've ever actually been properly assessed, you know, with a benefit-cost analysis. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I think it'd, it'd stack up again on some of the busy roads, but it, I doubt if it stacks up on a lot of the quieter ones. Well, it's stack up for motorists, whether it stacks up for public transport, transport, it depends. Mm. Um, like, um, I know some lines got slightly better service after it happened, but, yeah, upfield, yeah. There's, it's got to be closed for months. Yeah. Uh, cars will be able to move faster on the on the roads that will be affected, like mainly Brunswick Road would be the main one, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll still have a 20-minute service, so what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think quietly in the background, the government is planning a bigger future for the upfield line, where it'll take some of the strain off the broad, the you know, the parallel Broadmeadows line, uh, and they will be running more trains. Whether you'll get more stopping trains, of course, is another question. 
that they'll be more running more trains to mm. the northern suburbs and, and uh, regions. That that's my suspicion. But they, they the, can't the until they duplicate the line that's right, north of Gary yeah, between Gary yeah, and Upfield. They can't yeah. run far. Like, unless no. they do a turnaround around Coburg somewhere and run them yeah, that half, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all the things they need to fix to do that, I agree. The, the, the line's got to be double-tracked up the north and then it's got to connect through where it used to go. You know, it used to connect to the Broadmeadows line. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's I think the right-of-way is still there for that. All those things, yeah. But, but, but you know, they're probably thinking about 20 or 30 years ahead. God help us all. Um before they do that, but that's 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 the only um, r- rational rationale I can I can uh, I can think of. That that's what that's that's in the long term plans. But of course, they never tell us the long term plans because, of course, the politicians can change their minds overnight. But well, at least Andrews, can, you know, Andrews can because mm. he seems to he seems to dominate so-called planning. You know. Or do they have any long-term plans anyway? That's the other point. Well, they tend to have them in the bottom, in a drawer somewhere, but, you know, they don't want to bring them out because, you know, they might end up saying the wrong thing because mm. the politicians have changed their mind. We know Vic Roads or the Roads Authority have them. They, you know, they have yeah. long-term plans for yeah. more freeways everywhere, but uh, yeah. whether yeah. public transport has the same, I'm just not sure. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a sense, I think they do. But the roads, the roads guys know they're always got a better access to government because you know as we've been as we keep saying the motorists the motorists are the ones that need to be um, looked after not the public transport users yeah mm. i gotta <clears throat> I, before we before yeah. we jump into your agenda yeah uh, can i just mention that the um the the western <laughs> suburbs and pollution of course remains, you know, a major issue all the time. And the only way, well, the two things that are obvious to do to fix that are putting far more freight coming to the port on rail than on trucks. And, And the other thing to do is to improve the pollution control on the diesel trucks or change to electric electric trucks to haul all those containers. Now, both these things, of course, can be done. The, the rest of the Western world has had much cleaner trucks than we've had forever. Uh, we just simply don't bother about having decent pollution control on our trucks, and it doesn't matter how old the truck is, it can still run through the Western suburbs and spew and spew um, nitrous oxide and um, particulate pollution in the... Um, in residential areas because, of course, the residential areas are mixed in with the uh, main road system. Uh, and we don't we, we seem to be taking forever to sort out better ways to get the, um, the, the freight to the ports by rail. It seems to take, take it, just take forever. So can I just signal those two things? Lean on your members of parliament if you live anywhere in the West remind them that there are things that can be done and, and that they need to be done. The other thing, quickly, is a study from the University of Melbourne and University of Sydney getting together, and they've assessed the benefits of improving bus services in the outer suburbs of Melbourne and Sydney, and they say that the benefits of, say, doubling 
the frequency of all the buses that run in those areas is far, far greater to the community and the economy than building these, you know, massive um, rail, rail and light rail projects like um, the Melbourne Suburban Loop. You get far, far more benefits from the um, from improved bus services so that getting around in those areas is, is less painful. And give them, of course, priority lanes and things, which is critical. Oh, all of that, right. yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. It, it can certainly justify all that stuff. So the buses in peak hour get a decent run. And if you had electric buses as well, then it's even better. Yes, yes. Well, that's right. Well, it's quite obvious that the, the, the day the electric buses arrived, and uh, they are much quieter, much smoother, uh, much, much, uh, actually more economical to for the companies to run too. Mm. So the benefits are there. But again, it seems to be that the um, the benefits of um, Doing things that the motorist gets benefit from, you know, is much greater politically than uh, doing doing something sensible with with the bus services. Yep. You know, can I repeat again, as usual, the frequency of buses on suburban routes and particularly out of suburban routes in Melbourne is just so pathetic as to make the buses almost unusable. Um, a Christian, no doubt, would would say yes, completely unusable because he never knows when a bus comes along whether he's going to relocate on it or not. Yeah. And then he's left waiting for another half yeah. hour. Well, of course, John Stone and um, and Friends of the Earth did that study before the state election, which uh, yeah. which came up with that solution that yeah. you know, it would yeah. be a lot better. Well, it's been confirmed. It's been confirmed by you yeah. know, very, very um, establishment um, people from you know, Melbourne Uni and uh, Sydney Uni. So... Yeah. It seems like a knock, you know, knockdown. Is that what you say? A lockdown, knockdown mazir? Is that something to do with the laydown mazir? It's called. A what? What? It's called a laydown mazir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you'd know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's so it's so obvious. It's so blindingly obvious, and it's so much cheaper. But it, you know, there just seems to be this complete resistance to acknowledge that the bus services are both. Um, pathetic in their coverage and pathetic in their frequency, mm. and that they need to, you know, they can feed people to the, the rail system we already have. Ah. Well, I got to the Parliament Station with my bike a couple of weeks ago yeah. to go home, and I had the bike yeah. so I couldn't get the tram um, if if anything went wrong. Uh, and I had a, it was a 50-minute gap between trains on the upfield line. It said 38 minutes, next upfield train. It's supposed yeah. to be every 20 anyway. Yeah. But then by the time it did come and go, I, I went, I took the next train to Flinders Street and waited there. Yeah. But uh, it was a 50-minute gap between trains on the upfield line that day, and I couldn't, I couldn't take the alternative tram because I had a bike with me. Yeah. And what... And what was going on? I think no idea. They didn't you tell you. No, 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 no information no, just, about just, that's just, it. just blandly. Um, well, you know, stuff you. You know. Yeah, sit that's on right. A seat, <clears throat> sit on the seat and read the paper. Got help. You. Yeah, yeah, but segueing from your western suburbs thing last month, yeah. we mentioned the fact that they seem to get a far lesser service than the eastern suburbs and the the, yeah. the, 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 the tree-lined areas of the east, um, which we're not against. Of course, we think we no. all should get that sort of service, but. Um, it's worse this month because the government's announced now it's it's not going to proceed with the air, the airport link. Mm. 
um, and also the Geelong Fast Rail project that was promised. Uh, they've all been delayed, but the government is then saying that it now has to also delay the Western Rail plan because it it can't do that before the Geelong Rail Link. Now I don't know why, because the Western Rail Link is rail plan is basically electrifying the line to Melton and the Tarnit yeah. Wyndham Vale area. Yeah. So they become part of the suburban service, but why? Yeah. But it's saying it can't proceed with that until the Geelong Fast Rail, they've now adjourned yeah. anyway, goes yeah. ahead. And they're yeah. also saying, parallel to that, we're going to uh, delay the, we're long delayed. <laughs> it's been delayed forever, hasn't it? The the railing to the airport. Well, it seems like it's it's quite convenient, really, because you know you can say, well, we can't knock this this down before we've knocked that one down so we can't do anything at all and that seems to you know that's quite a quite a convenient argument for them really so they just shrug their shoulders and walk away but of course in the meantime they could make some sort of an improvement to the bus system feeding feeding people in a more convenient and faster and more frequent way to the existing rail system couldn't they is that completely beyond them uh, uh, probably the answer so. to that probably is yes, actually, John. But don't worry. Well, you're you know, it, you know that sort of bus improvement improvement that costs nothing compared with these multi billion rail rail um, projects that they want to they want to indulge in. It really is, you know. I, I guess I can see their point in a way about Tarnit and Wyndham Vale getting becoming part of the suburban system in that. If you've got um, fast, you can't really. Well, you can run. You can run faster trains on the Geelong line. A lot of it's, a lot of it's just, it's just they're they're, they're not prepared to try and run the system with the sort of precision that you, you you can run trains if you if you're somewhere in Europe like Switzerland or or um, possibly Germany, but we can't apparently do that. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're sort of saying, oh, well, until we build some more tracks from Werribee towards the city via Newport for the fast fast trains from Geelong, we can't do anything to improve anything, you know. So I think I think we could, that means nothing's going to happen until long after um, um, everybody in the current governments in, in Spring Street are dead and buried, you know. It's... Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of those improvements to the suburban line uh, were were linked into the 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 airport link as well. So mm-hmm. if that doesn't go ahead, there's other other projects that were sort of linked into it that that probably die as well. Do they? Well, you've already named them, really. You know that they they've they built. You know, it's only a few years ago they built two more tracks from the city out to um, Sunshine, two more rail tracks. So there are now four four tracks for trains from Footscray out to the out to Sunshine. But suddenly suddenly they don't get any more, any benefit much from those. Um, and then I think they're saying now they want to build two more tracks. That sort of seems to be seems to be what they're sort of saying in their muddled muddled way. Um, and they don't seem to think they can put two different services on the same set of tracks, like country country V line services and, and services to the airport. They don't seem to think they can run those on the same set of tracks. They can, but they they don't seem to think they can. 
Uh, oh so that gets me well, back well, to thinking, mm, it, 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 mm. you know, the way to get to the airport much cheaper and much quicker is to use the Broadmeadows option, which um, means you send a line seven kilometres west from north of Broadmeadows to the airport. Um, yeah, but that, of course, would partly depend on getting more use out of the upfield line, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Because some of the trains you'd be able to divert onto the upfield line, you know. But that would still, it seems to me, be a cheaper package than the um, incredibly expensive, what is it, $10 billion plus of um, getting to the airport via Sunshine Albion and then across across to the um, south, south, south end of the airport. And they seem to love tunnels. It involved a tunnel as well. Yeah, again, lots so. of tunnels yeah. and, and lots yeah. of big viaducts and things like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah so it's, it's a mess, Kevin, I think. Well, yeah. a bloke called John Hirsch, who's with a group yeah. called the Rail Futures yeah. Institute, yeah. he said that the opposite of what they're saying, he said the airport yeah. delay presented the opportunity to bring forward the Melton electrification which would also free up capacity for more V-line trains from Wyndham Vale and ease overcrowding on the Geelong trains. Yeah, well, he's right. Yeah, yeah. John, John Hirsch is usually right, yeah, yeah. But he, he often often suggests some, you know, very expensive... They often, for Al's futures, suggest very expensive um, projects of their own. But, yeah, he's right. Uh, that, that would help. And why not do those things while you while you're uh, waiting? I mean, you know, electrification of a line is not, you know, in this day and age, such a huge project to do if you're well organised and get the right the right companies to do it. But all of that, of course, is um, <laughs> is expecting a lot of our people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, we which we do, of course, but we never get it. Um, yeah, well, that's right. Well, I mean, I. I I I said long ago that I was suspicious of the of the of the line via Deer Park, you know, and then then cutting south towards um, Geelong, you know, that's got the Tarnit and Wyndham Vale um, stations on it, but that didn't quite make sense to me to be making the Geelong line trains run further around the houses. Uh, Townie and Windervale could be served by buses that, 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 that took, took them over to the um, existing Werribee line. But, 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 you know, that never happened in a compressor. Well, it happens to a degree, but it doesn't happen well enough. And, of course, those stations being nearer, the obvious, the obvious thing for the locals is to go to those stations where, where suburban passengers are crammed onto V-line trains. And of course, and another thing, yeah, <laughs> they do not seem to be able to run velocity train sets longer than six cars. Well, you know, I think it'd be quite obvious to extend them to nine car trains, and then you'd have a set, then you'd have a chance of dealing with the patronage that gets on at um, Tarnit and uh, Wyndham Vale. Oh dear. Yeah, well, I was talking to someone last week who who comes from Geelong regularly. Yeah. And says, by the time they get there um, yeah. to Tarnit and Wyndham yeah. Vale, often people can't even get on the thing because it's so mm. crowded. Coming yeah. from Geelong, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, I think they do. They do run a few trains that start at uh, Wyndham Vale. I think don't come from Geelong, mm. but but you know, again, it's it's all a gesture. You know, it's uh, and one of the reasons 
don't go there, John. But one of the reasons why Geelong's got a 20 You're about to go there, aren't you? I am, yeah. Got a train every 20 minutes, which is nice. Uh, is that, of course, that they're, they're trying to service um, Tarnit and uh, Windenvale as well. Yeah, it's it's a mess. It's, and they set, the, they set the mess up for themselves, you know, 15 years ago. By diverting the line behold, through there. Yeah, and lo and behold, yeah. they ended up with a mess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Geelong line should continue to go straight through Werribee and straight into the city, shouldn't it? Well, that's, well, that's my view, yeah, yeah. And, of course, possibly go dive under the river and, and go in through, um, through um, um, Fishman's Bend, to, and, you, know, you know, those sort of things. But uh, they, 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 they um, don't seem to be able to plan for, plan for very long ahead. And, and I always seem to believe that nothing will encourage travel as much as it does, you know? Always, their predictions, they almost always underpredict what, what traffic they'll generate by, by improving lines and services. It's as if they don't want to, you know, generate more, more patronage. It's all very, it's all very peculiar. But, and the airport railing that's been promised yeah. for... Um, yeah. I don't know, since Methuselah, yeah. uh, it it keeps getting knocked. Like when Peter Batchelor was Transport Minister, mm-hmm. he did a study mm-hmm. then, yeah. and at the end he abandoned the whole thing. And the one yeah. thing, he went ahead with all road projects but abandoned the one rail yeah. project, and now yeah. we're seeing it again where uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the victim when they decide to cut spending. Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, um, dare I say this, Kevin, I think it's probably right that the airport rail link is not the highest priority for public transport, and that things things could be improved again with buses radically over what they are at the moment. I mean, there's barely is it two public buses get to the airport? Is that, uh, yes, and it's it's circuitous, and it uh, you have yeah. to walk a long way at the other end. Yeah. I think yeah. people tell me I've never used it, but yeah. I mean, there's lots of lots of ways. The buses could be improved at the airport. There could be, there could be some express buses from points east and west. Priority like, lanes, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, I mean, what about an express bus every fifteen minutes from, say, Sunshine Station, which would service people coming from Ballarat, Bendigo, and Geelong going to the airport? Wouldn't that be a good idea? It would be, John. Yes, I'll take it as rhetorical, but it's a good idea. <laughs> um, and and um, oh, you know, there are so many things that could be done in the meantime. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah. that, that would would be improvement. And there's also, of course, that in long. If you're going to think long term, we would hope that long term air traffic air travel would be reduced dramatically. Of course, yeah, but that's the, right. although the airport, or the, because it's privatised airport, they're planning for more and more and more. Of course. Of course, it's there's a there's a you know great glorious future for for air travel. I think we're now talking about electric planes. You know now that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Get a shock when they go down. Uh, right. Okay, look, we've got to find up, John. We're out of time, unfortunately. But next yeah. month, I did want to raise bikes today because of interesting right. stuff about you know the the massive bike, um, the way that public transport and bikes link in in, in Holland. Um, yeah. Netherlands, which is worth yep. talking about, but it uh, do well, it okay, next month. Let's note it for next month. Yeah, huh? okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your time, though, John, and we'll uh, we will talk next month.
John McPherson, um, who's our regular commentator, former Vice President of the Public Transport Users Association, and uh, and he's, as you can tell, he's not that happy with the situation at all. But then we've been saying that for years. There we are. We're back next week. We've got energy issues, and um, hang on. I've just been handed a note. Saturday, Sydney Road, Accessible Stops campaign, 11 a.m. June 7. Yeah, we've done yeah, Brunswick Town Hall. Yep, yep, we'll keep saying that. Okay. <laughs> listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.